And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine is in his journey, is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he give him for a fish a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Father, take your word and inscribe it in every heart and print it upon every mind. And pray, Father, you take us this morning and teach us, lead us, and guide us by thy Spirit. Pray, Father, this morning, Lord, that your people will go out of here, saying it was good for us to be here, for it was here that we met with the Lord. Remember those that aren't with us this morning, those still on holiday, having a break this morning, and those, Lord, who are maybe at home, unable to be here for one reason or another, and those who are sick, we ask you, Lord, that you would give them healing in the name of Jesus. We come asking you, Father, even as we have read in your word, and for the glory of your name we pray it. Amen. <coughs> Just let me get a drink. The disciples come and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. They'd seen him praying. And when they watched him praying, when he had ceased or when he had stopped praying, they must have said, I want to pray like that. I want to be able to pray like him. Teach us to pray, Lord. The thing about it is, is, you know, prayer... Your prayer and my prayer would be different. And as I pray, I pray different in some places than I do in others. And at different times, I would pray different than others too. And the Lord tells them, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And people call that the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's the model prayer. Really, the Lord's high priestly prayer would be around John sort of 16, 17, around that area. But the, 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 we'll call it the Lord's Prayer. If I say it's because people know it better as that. And the thing about it is, is we wonder and we're asked at times, I'm asked at times, what's the right way to pray? 
Is it standing up? Is it sitting down? Is it kneeling? Is it prostrate? Is it walking? You know, people have asked me through the years, what's the right way to pray? And my reply would be to you this morning or to them as I did. The right way to pray is from the heart. From the heart. Be open and be honest with God. He knows it anyway, but he wants you to come with it. And be open, be honest with him. Notice, teach us to pray. Turn with me briefly to John chapter 9, please. John's Gospel, chapter 9. This is the story of the man that was healed. And Jesus had been to the pool of Siloam. And then when you let your eye run down to verse 24. The Pharisees then, there's a man born blind and he heals a man born blind as well. And this man that was born blind, so Jesus is on a, he's healing ministry. And by the time he's healed, the Pharisees have heard of him. And notice what it says. The Pharisees come to he that was born blind and is now seeing. Verse 24, then again, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise for we know that this man is a sinner. Notice, praise God, they're saying. Give God the praise. If you can see again, it's because God has caused you to see. If you can see again, it's because God has created the miracle. Now, it was God that caused this man to see. And it was God that created the miracle because the Lord Jesus Christ is God. But they couldn't see that. Now, notice this. They're saying, we know that this man is a sinner. Jesus, they're speaking of. This is the Pharisees. Now, the man, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that, whereas I was blind Now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. You see that? We're full of the law. We're full of the law. We're full of the God in a certain box. Christians put God in a box. And inside this box we can cross our T's and we can dot our I's. But there's no fruit for that. There's no fruit off that or from that. We are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Now you... If you love the Lord Jesus, I asked you this morning, do you love him? And if you love him and know him, that offends me. I'm offended by that reading. As for this fellow, speaking as though he's nothing. He's a a lover of my soul and I love him because he first loved me. And and it offends me. It grieves me sore when people uh, demigrate and, and use the Lord's name and pull the Lord down. As it were, in society, people use his name as a curse word. And 
I'm offended by that. I'm offended by that more than an actual swear word. And when they say this, they're saying this in a degrading manner about the Lord Jesus Christ. And people might say, oh, well, if if Jesus was here, I would never do that. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is here. And some still do it. They downgrade the Lord Jesus Christ to a man. They downgrade him even to a prophet. They downgrade him to a son of a woman of ill repute. Notice this. Verse 30. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Do you ever get like that in prayer? Yes, Lord. I don't really understand it all. I don't even understand all of you and your deity. I'm I'm only getting what you give to me. But this I know. You've opened my eyes. And we see and behold. Spiritually we see, don't we? You have opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshipper of God and doeth as well, he heareth him. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. But they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? Notice. Thou teach us. Do you try and teach us? Send to the man. This is a man who's received a revelation of sight. This is a man who's receiving revelation of Christ. This is a man who's come face to face with the Christ encounter. This is a man who has now had his physical eyes open, but he's just about to have his mind blown here and his spiritual eyes completely wide open. And these men full of religion, God doesn't do that anymore. I told you before, I was at a meeting and a wee boy with no hearing in his left ear. Daniel was with me. I prayed for him in a tent meeting. Nothing happened the second time. Nothing happened the third time. He started to hear. In the meeting, born with no eardrum in his left ear. Started hearing in the meeting. And his minister heard about it. And another minister then heard about it. And they preached against it that Sunday, saying, God does not do these things anymore. You see, the Bible tells us Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And this same Jesus that done this for this man is the same Jesus we worship, adore, love and serve this morning. Notice this. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said unto him, Thou wast all together born in sins. Notice, you're just a sinner now. So now they're self-righteous. We're greater than you. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus looked at those Pharisees and he looks at us and he sees the sin and all and he came to save us. Here he doesn't say, you know what, they're, they're so pious and righteous and holy and true. He said, I'll pick those people. Come on, you with me. You can come to my glory. Doesn't, he came for the sin sick. Those men and women will say, I'm a sinner. Those men and women who will admit and know that they're sinners, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
And notice here, they said, Yahweh was all together born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? Now, here's one for people of the Muslim faith. You ready? That Jesus, uh, they say that Jesus nowhere says he's the Son of God. Okay? Now, read this. In your Bible. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? You ready? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him. And it is he that talketh with thee. Are you reading that? Jesus is the Son of God. Notice what the man's reply is. And he said, Lord, I believe. Isn't that beautiful? And notice, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now, if Jesus isn't God, then he wouldn't have received the worship. If Jesus isn't God, he would not have received Worship. This is the same one whom Isaiah saw in Isaiah 6, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up with the seraphim, worshipping him. The same one in the flesh. And now this man that was blind, now sees physically, now sees spiritually. And in the spirit he sees more than a man. He sees the almighty God in flesh. Listen, and see when you see him, you learn to pray. You learn to worship. Do you know people need to learn to worship? People would say, what do you mean worship? How do we learn to worship? Well, I can't really teach you. I can try and tell you. Worship is from your heart. We're going to look at some postures and uh, and principles of prayer and praise in a moment. So, in our reading in Luke chapter 11, these disciples said, Lord, verse 1, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And what he says is, if you pray, one, you must come believing. How many of you pray and then you go, I'm not sure whether he heard that or not. How many of you prayed and said, I'm not sure, you've got that unbelief. We all do at times, don't we? We'll just say a prayer for the sake of it. You know, I call it sometimes a shopping list. You write it all down, you rhyme it all off, and it makes you feel better because you've prayed. It's a conscience easer, and it's not the heart. It's not entering into the spirit. It's not the same. You might say, well, how do I find out what to do? Well, turn with me to Second Kings. We're going to look at some postures. I'll tell you what, let's go to Exodus and we'll come through the Bible chronologically. Let's go to Exodus chapter 34. Notice this about Moses. Moses is up in Mount Sinai. And when he's up there, 
here again is the table of stones, you know, the Ten Commandments. Notice, and here we go, oh, those old commandments. Listen, the commandments are still in effect today. They're written on our hearts. The moral commandments of God, written on our hearts. That's how we live. The Spirit guides us by the producing the fruit of the Spirit by the living of the moral commandments on our heart. And notice what it says here after we have the two tables of stone are hewed by Moses, uh, or sorry, when Moses meets the Lord up in the mount. Verse 8, please. Verse 8. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Notice that. Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worship. Now, why did Moses do it? Notice, first of all, the posture. He didn't, should I do this or should I not? I was going to praise, but I, I, the music stopped. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no music up here at this point. Moses caught a glimpse of who he was. Moses caught on to who he was. So he's worthy for who he is, not because we drum up what we think. And not through moments of ecstatic praise and worship. And I love the praise and worship. You know that. Let's look then at verse 4. And he hewed two tables of stone, like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into Mount Sinai. As the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tables of stone, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Isn't that fantastic? Think about this. Well, brothers and sisters, let's pause a minute. Let's just pause. Because in our minds, we're racing on to the next verse here. Moses up the mountain, this, this starts coming out, the praise. The exclamation and the adoration of who he is. That's how our worship should be. There's, there's a lot of worship now, it's man-centric. It's all about me. Me, 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 myself and I. All of our worship should be about him. The lifting up of his name. Let's just pause, Matt. Let's just read verse 6 again and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God merciful gracious long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth you could just eat that forever I could just drink that in all day just sit and think about that and worship him for that alone. Can I ask you something, brother, sister? In all honesty and in all truth, is there ever a time when you are maybe on your own and you're reading the scriptures and a word like that catches you and all you want to do is praise him? Fills you up, doesn't it? Your spirit, your soul, just edifies you. And your heart starts to pour over with love, gratitude to him. Verse 7, notice, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression 
and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Notice, by no means will they clear the guilty. If you're not saved, they won't proclaim you not guilty on that day. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children to the third and fourth, to the fourth generation. And what he's saying is, brother, sister, how you live your life, the example you give to your children. If your children see mommy and daddy land in their bed on a Sunday morning while church is on, that example will follow through. If your children see mommy and daddy arguing and fighting all the time, everybody has their moments. Arguing, fighting all the time, that will follow through. And brother, if you're out secretly taking the drink, sister, or carrying on like that behind the scenes, your children see it and will follow through. And if your children hear you having your favorite meal every Sunday afternoon around the table, it's called having a pastor supper. Your children will come and follow through with the same spirit. And if you dabble with the things of darkness and allow them to enter your home and your life to the third and fourth generations unless broken by the blood, your children will follow through. It will be upon your children. When Moses hears this, he makes haste, in other words, right away, so quickly, he falls down and he worships. He falls down, puts his head toward the earth and he worshiped and he said, if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. Here's what I have written on the little top of the page of my Bible. God's grace and truth results in man's adoration in worship and prayer. I'm going to say it again. God's grace and truth results in man's adoration in worship and in prayer. You know what's wrong with many people? They don't or they have never had a revelation of who Jesus is. That's why they don't worship. That's why they can't worship. Do you see the real true heart that has found uh, themselves being drawn by the Spirit and washed in the blood and went on in God? I was talking to a man Friday. Talking to, who was talking to one of his friends, and they were there on Thursday night at the town hall. And this other friend of this man's was a Christian. And it's actually, a surprising man, he had never heard the things that we had been speaking of on Thursday night. Never heard the like of that in my life. Never knew anything about that to say. And the man I was speaking to, he says, "Well, you know you." You need to start growing up in God. I can't remember word for word what he said. He says, you need to get off the milk. Brothers and sisters, the problem is that too many Christians 
want to suck at the milk teat, but don't want to grow molars to chew the meat. And in the place of worship, in the place of praise, in the place of prayer, they neglect it. And they neglect it so much, they don't know when God is in the midst. They don't know when God is in the midst. I'm going to ask you a question our pastor used to ask us all the time. How's your love life? Do you know why people backslide? Can I be honest with you? Just pouring my heart out. Do you know why people fall away? Two reasons. First one, because they fall out of love with Christ. Second reason, because they make excuse and fill their life with other things. Moses, when he sees the glory of God, comes to get a real sense of him. Notice a real sense of him. Moses, if you want, had a Christ encounter. And he made haste to get down as quick as he could with his head to the ground. And he started to worship. You know what I find? The closer I get to God, when I seek the Lord, the harder things become. And the closer I get to God, I know people go, oh, that's so wonderful. And I understand the times the Lord just melts our hearts. I understand that. But it's like, oh, this is, no, my life is just so great. No, the closer I get to God, the devil hates it. And I'll tell you another thing, the closer I get to God, the more I seek him, the more I see the corruption in me. more I see the weaknesses in me the more I see the emptiness in me. And then after a while we break through that and we see the Lord himself. We see how wonderful he is. Fall down on your knees and worship him. Worship is a natural thing. Love toward him should be easy for you if you have truly come to have a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. God's grace and truth results in man's adoration and worship and prayer. This is what else I've written on the top. Moses is compelled to worship when he saw who God was. Said again, Moses is compelled to worship when he saw who God was and those who appreciate him will do likewise. And those who appreciate him will do likewise. Teach us to pray, Lord. Go spend time with him. And from your heart, speak. You turn with me to the little book of Nehemiah. In fact, it was going to take you chronologically, wasn't it? Let's go to Second Kings 4. I'm just going to work it out as I go along here. So we have Moses as he 
bowed his head toward the earth and he worshipped. Second Kings chapter 4 of Elisha. The woman's son dies, has the headache, and she sends for the man, Elisha. Or she goes for the man, Elisha, and he, her son dies. Let your eye just run down for time's sake. Um, to verse 27. And when she came to the man of God to the hills, she caught him by the feet. Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she did. Did I desire a son of my Lord? And did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If I meet any man, salute him not. And if any, and if any salute thee, answer him not again and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. He went in therefore and shut the door and prayed unto the Lord and went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm and he turned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called to his eye and said call a Shunammite so he called her and when she was coming unto him he said take up thy son notice here faith should never be placed upon a man this man or any man the staff of Elisha was in the hand of Gehazi and he went and he laid it upon the child and nothing happened. Faith shouldn't be in a relic. Nor a man. And Alicia goes here and notice the prayer here. Verse 33. And he went therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. Now, when you look at, pardon me, was 33, verse 34, when you look at what he did, he lay upon the child, his mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, and or his face to face, hands to hands. Now, listen, how do you explain that? How do you explain that in this day and age? One, if you'd done that, people would think you've just totally lost it. But two, if you did that, people would want to know why you're laying upon a child. And I'm not, please don't do that. But for this reason, for some reason, the child's flesh waxed warm. Why did God lead the prophet to do that? I don't know. But notice, first of all, 
the child, the flesh of the child works wax warm in verse 34. Then he returned. So he left the child for some period of time. The child's flesh was warm, but he was still dead. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Notice, so the child's flesh waxes warm. And notice the position that he starts. He starts walking to and fro. I'm sorry for the camera. Um, I know whenever I move, they have to start jumping the cameras about. That's how he was praying. Lord, there's a child up there and I don't know what to do. You told me for about this woman before and she wanted a child and I prayed to you and you give this woman this child, Lord, and now this child has died and this woman's blaming me, Lord. And I have, I've went up and I've uh, Gehazi's put a staff upon it. You didn't tell me about this child, Lord. But, and, and, and this woman is now blaming me. Shoot the messenger. Lord, the child's flesh is waxed, but it's not the flesh, Lord. We need the spirit, the soul to return to this child, Father. And he starts walking up and down the house. Do you ever do that? (laughs) So we had Moses on his face now. Elisha is walking up and down the house, pacing the floor. I used to pray that all the time along our with a long landing, walking up and down it. Used to walk around the house when nobody was in, just praying, Lord. Still do it in my kitchen, was doing it this morning. Walking up and down, talking to the Lord. Walk up and down over the fiends. Can you see there's no set pattern here? Can you see that? Notice the progression. Child's flesh waxed warm. He went up again, the and stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times. And I'm wondering, was this some sort of... Some people thought he took sunstroke or was something wrong with his brain because he was out in the field and felt ill and his head hurt. And I'm wondering, was this something to do with the clearing out? Did God show sneezing seven times a number of God's perfection? Was the Lord causing him to sneeze out disease? Was he causing him to sneeze out whatever had happened to his brain? The child opened his eyes. Progressive healing. And that may happen at times too. From the Lord being asked, teaches to pray. And he says, which of you keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, didn't he? Which of you, uh, if a friend comes and asks bread, would you give him, um, would you give him a, a, a stone? It's not what he said. A fish, A serpent. And he says, if, it, if he was to come and ask you for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? He says, but if you know how being evil or carnal, these are just carnal human beings, he says, you know how to give good gifts. Listen, there's men who were the worst dictators and tyrants that ever lived, yet they could love their own. Yet they could love their own. It's harder to love those don't love you it's harder to love those you don't like the Lord says if you're even like that you have a kind of love he says see the love you have for your own he says you belong to your father you're his own how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to give to them that ask him keep asking keep seeking 
keep knocking. Brothers and sisters, you don't give up. Don't be through praying, but rather pray through. Let's turn to another one. Nehemiah. Notice the time's gone from me. Nehemiah. Chapter 1. I'll just go straight to verse 4 because time's going. It came to pass, verse 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah gets word that those who are still in Jerusalem are having a terrible time, that the temple of the Lord has been broken down and the walls are tumbled down and all of this is happening. And he really feels it. What does he do? Notice, I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed. Here's him sitting praying with Moses on his face and the ground, bowing his face to the ground, with Elisha walking, with Nehemiah sitting. And then it says, and, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, which keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. And so we see Nehemiah supplicating, seated, so you can pray, seated, or seated, seated, sitting down. A few marbles there. By the time he comes to chapter 2, the king notices he's of a sad countenance. And notice he's been before God, mourning, weeping, fasting, praying. And because he's been before God, now he's before the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon gives him favor. Here's the thing. The old saying is, those who kneel before God, or in this case, sit before God, can stand before anyone. And brothers and sisters, there's another little nugget for you that whatever you're doing, no matter where you're going, no matter what you're facing, bring it to God. And whenever you bring it to God, you'll be able to stand before anyone. What would give you the courage? And what would give you the confidence to stand before a boss? before a politician, before a leader of something. Prayer in God, prayer in the Lord, prayer in the Lord, and then that gives you the courage. You know why? Because you're conscious of him. I'm not going to hang around here. I'm just going to try and round this up to you. Matthew 26. Matthew 26, all very simple, but... I'm hoping that it's something that's going to be profound to you and help you. Matthew 26. And that's where I run down to verse 37. And he took, that is the Lord Jesus, took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be, very, to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here 
and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. Savior, the Lord Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he takes Peter, James and John a a stone's throw away from the others. And then he goes a little further and they're watching him again here praying. Luke 11, they're watching him. And now he's praying again. And he falls on his face. What the idea of that is in the Greek text? It's an improper verb. He falls and he gets up. And he falls right down. And he climbs up again. And he falls on his face. And he gets up. And he falls. And he's getting back up again. And he keeps falling on his face. He's going, my father. That's the son of God. That's the saviour. It means he falls and keeps on falling in the garden. Calvary was ahead of him. He knew everything. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, I can feel that. Ask the Holy Ghost to let you feel it. In your soul, in your spirit. The wonderful, beautiful, sinless, spotless lamb, the gracious, majestic, and magnificent Christ of God. Calvary ahead of him, the torture and the trial. He falls in his face, he gets up. He falls in his face again and he gets up. And he falls in his face again and he gets up over and over and over again. And while on his face at one time he says, Oh, my father. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You know, if he hadn't have went through Gethsemane, if he had have gave up in Gethsemane, he wouldn't have made the cross. And if he had to give up in Gethsemane and he hadn't made the cross, then you and I would all be lost. But he went all the way. He went all the way. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. Father, I want to do your will. There's an example. You want to learn how to pray? Be willing when you go to pray to hear things you don't want to hear. To do things that you don't want to do in the sense that they're hard for you and they're tough for you and they're challenging for you. But there's a greater reward when you yield your heart like Christ had his to the will of his father. Jesus came knowing he was going to die. 
And he came knowing he was going to rise again on the third day. No man taketh my life from me. I have the power to lay down my life. And I have the power to take it again. God bless his word to us.